Happy birthday, Hannah Brown. Happy birthday. <laughs> oh, thank you very, very, very much. Chris McLeish, here episode number 41, which is not my age, I would like to point out. No, you <laughs> are not 41 at all. You are a mere 27. Six. Six. <laughs> Matt's 27 on his birthday. Yeah. Me and Matt are quite different people, but thank you. You are. You are. <laughs> I've been thinking a lot about our birthday because the time is coming. And that's What, yours? Me. Or just... Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't it's want approaching it to be my fast. birthday. Um, no. No. But I apologise. You are 26. And I know that. I do know that. You do know that. <laughs> I do. But that's, yeah. that's okay. It's very late at night. You're excused. Yeah. No, it's just, I've been thinking a lot about how Matt is 27 on his birthday, which exactly. is the same We're... as my birthday. Exactly. So, we be presently the same age. Yeah, we'll see. For a very short time, the planets have collided. No, the planets have aligned. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. And then the confusion lies. So there we go. Yeah. If the planets oh, collide, dear. we're in trouble. Yeah, we wouldn't want that. No. mm Mm-mm, that would cause some serious damage and would be highly inconvenient, to be perfectly honest. It might happen someday, but hopefully not soon. No. Let's keep our fingers crossed that they don't do that. So how's your birthday been? My birthday has been delightful, thank you very much. I got mm. lots of lovely, nice things. Nice. And got to see some people's... I'm counting... I'm also, we had a, very, I had a very busy weekend. I'm also counting that as part of my birthday. It wasn't really, but... Yeah, what... It may well have been. It may well as have been. It, it might as well have it, been. <laughs> exactly. Um, and actually tonight, and it only just crossed my mind literally like an hour ago, but I had some family come up. My aunt, my uncle and my cousin. And because they're all double jabbed, and I hate that word jabbed, it makes me just think of someone going with like a boxing glove. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but you know what I mean yes <laughs> um, I had all my double jabbed and of course um, social distancing rules have since ended as mm-hmm. of two days ago here in Scotland that may change whenever <laughs> but for the minute they've ended mm-hmm. and um, it's actually the first time I got to hug them oh that's so nice and about I don't, I don't know the last time I would have probably like Christmas 2019 <laughs> something like that it's mad um yeah and it was crazy and it wasn't until i thought about it when they went in for the hug and i was like oh my god am i allowed to do this again it was wild it was a very lovely day i went for lunch at house for an art lover lovely never been of course i'm unsurprised at that statement so (laughs) where have i gone that you get teas and lunches (laughs) true um so yes and that was very very nice i do like it in there excellent shop they've got a very good okay. shop mm-hmm. um highly recommend if anyone is in the vicinity of bella houston park have a look at the shop and yeah that was that was largely Lovely. largely it yeah well i am jabby jabbed now you are jabby dabbed yeah jab me once good for you jab me twice good for me i well exactly I got a combo, which I have heard from many a person. People have been saying I shouldn't have had a combo, but I trusted <laughs> what they were doing. I just thought, you know what you're up to. I trust it. 
But I've had a lot of people say, oh, you shouldn't have had that. Well, you're a little cocktail of chemicals then, aren't you? I know. And I feel fine now. You did not look... You literally are trying to convince yourself of that fact. Well, I didn't feel fine on Monday, but I feel fine now, <laughs> two days later. Good. Yeah. <laughs> Monday was rough, but I, I survived. That's all we can ask for at this yes. rate. But that's, ex- that's as exciting as my week has been. Apart from my piano now existing in my flat. That's very exciting. Exactly. It now feels like the decor is complete. Now I know. the piano has finally arrived, which because is very exciting. The piano was my first baby, this piano. Yeah. And it's... Um, since I moved to Glasgow in 2012 or whenever it was, I haven't had it. So it's practically mm-hmm. 10 years of me being without my mm-hmm. piano, sans piano. Mm-hmm. Can okay I ask it. though, how did you get it through here? I dismantled it and brought it in the car. Was that stressful? It wasn't as bad as you'd think. Why did that happen <laughs> to my voice? Why did I turn into Mickey Mouse? <laughs> that was not intentional. Oh it, it, it wasn't as bad as you'd think, is what I tried to say. Mum um, and I, Put it together and put it, take it apart, put it in the car together, and then Matt helped me on the other end, and it was fine. Marvelous. I was fully hoping you were going to say, Yeah, I had to strap it to the roof like Mr. Bean. No. But Although that would have been cute. Unfortunately, not. That would have been very, very good. Luckily, it is one that's base comes off. Well, that is helpful to the situation. But I feel complete that all my babies now live in one house with me. That's so exciting. Yay. Yay. Quick. Side note, it is your birthday today, so you may not have been all that active on social media, but did you see um, the comment about how Sandra from my story last week is my friend Jenny's auntie? I did. (laughs) You couldn't, I'm not going to lie, fully nearly dropped my phone when I read that, because you'd already replied to it, so I just happened to check another notification, and I saw it come up, and I was like, what? Yeah. (laughs) I am so... Sorry? Baffled. Wow. Well, speaking of inadvertent familial links, and it's nothing really to do with my family, but remember how last week we were talking about cold cases? Well, my mother told me her a former colleague of hers in her old work, um, that person's brother, I want to say, was um interviewed as a suspect in the Bible John case. <laughs> oh my god. Now, clearly they did not have enough to convict and or hold them for any Yeah, reason. which is just as well. But, and I don't even know, I mean, I could be wrong in saying a suspect, but they were questioned about it. So I don't I know think if they happened to be there. I have a feeling the that they, anyone in the locale of a certain yeah. age, I think they interviewed pretty much. But, yeah. I mean, that's wild. Can you imagine? Can you imagine that? That is your... Is that a claim to fame? Can one say that? <laughs> There's worse ones to have. There is worse ones. They could be found um, out to be Bible, John. Well, exactly. And that really wouldn't be something you'd want to spread about at a party. You know, no. I just... I can't imagine you'd want to flaunt that. Not so, at all. But, yeah, I thought that was crazy. That's so... I just thought that was really weird. Yeah. Very, very strange. And obviously we had our magical outing on Sunday. Yes, we did it all. We did all the walking. We did walk a long way. By God, did my feet hurt. Mm-hmm. The next, and every other limb. 
the next morning. Yeah, we we met go. in Edinburgh, and the the adventure started with our trip to Deedon Cemetery, which has been mentioned on occasion. It has, and mm-hmm. we did manage to find the grave of one of your guys, Freda Terror story. Yes. Yes, the mm-hmm. yes, the grave of John Irving, who was one of few people to be uh, repatriated after the Franklin expedition. So that was exciting. Yeah. And we found him, and some people had left little shells. Some people had left shells. I thought which that was, was very cute. Very sweet. If I knew yeah. that was something that people did, I would have prepared myself and brought a shell exactly. myself. Exactly. Beautiful cemetery. We'll fully be going Mm -hmm. there again for another Mm -hmm. walkabout. It was lovely. Um, See who else we can snoop out. Yep. Then we hot-footed it over to the National Museum. Yeah. Yeah, is that his name? Okay. (laughs) That's the one. And uh, Um, it was great. I mean, I've been... That was great. Thousands of times. Yes, Michael and I hadn't, though. So that was very exciting. Got to see Dolly the sheep. I know. How cool is that? What a gal. For anyone that doesn't know who Dolly is, she is a legend, but she was the first animal, mammal, animal, animal, I think animal, animal uh, to be cloned. And she just looks like an ordinary gal. She absolutely does. She just sits in a wee glass case living her best life. Yeah, with poops about her feet. Exactly. They really went for the realism with the taxidermy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, have you ever seen a sheep not standing near poo? It just doesn't happen. I mean... Yeah, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. It's normally uh, all in among all in about their tails. Absolutely. Uh, ew. <laughs> the taxidermist working on Dolly had a task to not absolutely decimate her. Absolutely, because she is of scientific importance. She absolutely it's is. It's big old Dolly. She just lived so, a normal sheep life. She really did. She really did. Not knowing the impact she was going to have yeah. on the world. I saw some other highlights. Some um, some of the Egyptian exhibit... Exhibit... exhibit. <laughs> some of the things in the Egypt exhibit, which I loved as a child, were all still yeah. there. There was, was a mummified crocodile, which I don't think I'd ever seen before. There was. There was also bread. Bread! Bread! Ye, ye oldy ancient Egyptian bread. Thousands of years old bread. <laughs> It didn't look in the best, Nick, but it was fine. Oh, what was your fact about Cleopatra and tight time? Oh, Cleopatra lived closer to us in terms of time than she did to the building of the Great Pyramids of Giza. That was it. Yeah. Oh, my God. Blows my mind every single time. Yeah, time time just doesn't make sense to me. Anything beyond 10 minutes ago... No, <laughs> it just doesn't comp- comprehend. It is very, very strange, and you yeah. can't quite get your head around that. And it's unsettling. It really, very much is, because that just makes everything feel like it's happening all at once, and it's very, very weird. Yeah, it's very strange. Um, um, also, big dinosaur bones. We did. We saw a lot of dinosaurs, which is very with our little tiny arms. So cute. Little tiny arms. I'm sure they wouldn't have been cute if they were in motion, but I'm sh- they were cute to look oh, at. Oh no, yeah. I think if a T Rex was running at you, you wouldn't be going, "Oh, look at its little tiny wrists." I don't no. think that would cross your mind. You'd probably go, "Hmm, look at its big giant teeth." <laughs> <laughs> 
do you think I am descendant of dinosaurs because I've got little wrists? You've got little, you do have, you've got little delicate dainty wrists. I've got dainty wrists. They're lovely. I've got the wrists and hands of an elderly woman. That's not necessarily a bad thing. No, not at all. You can get into nooks and crannies. And I was going to say you could get out of handcuffs really easily. I can. This is true. You said this as a joke. I have been in many escape rooms where the first thing they do is chain you to the wall. And the second they uh-huh. leave, my hand falls out of the handcuff. It's true. It's an excellent skill to have. Can yeah. I just say? I think maybe um, full-blown police handcuffs would be a bit more effective than the kinds you get in escape rooms, but you never know. Well, yes, exactly. You would hope that they're a little bit more effective at the yes. job they're supposed to do. Because realistically, you don't want to escape out of those ones. No, this is true. Or you shouldn't be able to. Yeah, I mean, you probably would want to, but yeah, they need to be a yeah. little bit a little bit tougher. That's fair. And then we topped it off, following enough, with an escape room. We did indeed. And it was a fun time. Yes, so we did our escape room, then we walked all the way back. Yes. To the new town and went for we a Wagamama, where they Wagamama. very thoroughly checked they weren't going to kill you. Yes, they gave me an iPad where they I could did. check off all my allergies and then it showed me what I was allowed to have. The manager mm-hmm. had to take my order separately. I got a sticker that said on it, nuts. You did? So... I had all the special attention. I felt like a proper celeb. You really did. I was genuinely really very impressed. Thank you. On your behalf. Yeah, thank you. They really did go to lengths to make sure they weren't going to kill you, which is good as the person that was with you. Yeah. <laughs> we don't want that to happen. We don't want that to happen at all. Uh, yeah. So uh, it was an all-round excellent day. I would absolutely recommend it to anybody. To live the exact day that we lived on Sunday. Because it's very good. Most definitely. It was a delight. And it was a wonder. And we burned lots of calories. Uh, with all of the walking. I mean, we walked... Was it just over 15k? Just over say? 15k. Just yeah. over 15k. There you go. That's Didn't take public transport once. Except to Not... get there and get home. Yeah, well, I didn't... Well, I, we I did. You didn't. We yes. did. <laughs> what a treat. What a treat. So there you go. That's been our exciting. Yeah. What well, I feel I should share the quick the quick telling of a tale of what happened that night after we'd been uh, out. Yes. So I went home and I was hanging out with my mammy and we were watching some Drag Race All Stars 6. So yeah. I at one point thought, listen, mum. I need a wee wee, so let's pause the telly. So I paused the telly, went to the loo, and when I came out, I thought, is that a big spider in our hallway leaning up against mm-hmm. the door? And it, and then I thought again, it's too big for one of the spiders we get, although we do get some big juicy ones. But it was too big. <laughs> too big. And then I thought, is it maybe a piece of paper or a bit of card that's just propped up against the kitchen door? Then it hopped. And that is because uh, somehow over the course of the day, a frog had infiltrated the McLeish household. And I very quickly got a little tray of water and put it outside so that it could have a bit of hydration when it goes out. Then I went and I picked it up in my hands. It hopped in my hand and then I just carried mm-hmm. it. I carried it outside in my hands, put it in the water and it had a little splash and then it ran off. 
Oh, but we've had go. we've had many strange things in our house, but um, never a frog, frog that I'm aware has of. Never been one of them. <laughs> we've had frogs in the garden. We've had frogs everywhere in Aberlady, but just never in the house. So that was fun. That killed a couple of minutes. The one time a frog was in my house was when my was it my first cat? I think it was Matilda. Uh, she was oh. a bit of a hunter. She liked um, to bring presents. And one day she brought in a frog, stood at the back door. My mum screamed. She dropped the frog in fright. Frog jumped back outdoor. And the cat was really, really angry for the, with us for the rest of the day. Oh, because <laughs> she the thought... the frog had got away. My pal's gone. <laughs> That's she must have been like, it took me all morning to catch this for you and now it's gone. I hate you all. Which is fair. I can empathise with that mood. I can imagine that takes a lot of effort catching a frog. That's fair. It yeah. does. Yeah, they're quite... They're, they're hoppity. Shall we question ourselves and see what answers we have? Shall question ourselves? Just our sanity or... Just our place in life? Impact? Carbon footprint? Lots to think about. Okay, this is a nice little little question about the television. Oh, okay. Yes, and it's simply, what is your comfort TV series? Oh, well, there's probably a few. Yeah, I definitely have a few as well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's some that I am truly dedicated to. And okay. they bring me a lot of joy. So therefore, in a sense, they are comforting. Mm-hmm. But are you? But are we talking strictly if there's something I would seek out if I need a little bit of respite? Yeah, I think just like something you'd you continually go back to if you just need okay. to feel safe and snuggly. And because I think that's one of the things they say about why people return to TV shows is because you know what's going to happen. <laughs> Therefore, yeah, that makes sense. It's not stressful to watch. So yeah, I think it's just anything that you kind of can watch happily on repeat and it just makes you warm and fuzzy. Well, there's things like Buffy. I would watch Buffy over and over and over again. Excellent choice. I have the box set and I would watch it repeatedly mm-hmm. on a loop. But I think probably... Oh, and Shit's Creek as well, of course, because it That's is... That's a very good one as well. High class understated comedy big fan but uh yeah i think the one that's coming to mind most is call the midwife yeah that's one of mine as well yeah absolutely i've seen every episode at least three times apart yeah, from the, the latest season but and um, there is a lot of episodes now there's plenty there's lots to work your way through there absolutely is but the stories are always just so kind of they always just make you feel good. There's, I mean, obviously there's tragic things happen, but the way that they handle those tragic events just... Yeah. It's always done so beautifully. And the writers of Call the Midwife, f- frankly, need to write me in. <laughs> <laughs> That's all you I've got to, to say about it. You heard your first, pals. <laughs> yeah, if they could, that'd be really nice. But it's... That'd be so good. I mean, we've already kind of discussed if I was to be written into Call the Midwife, yeah. how would it happen? And I decided that I would be some strange 
unknown person who's washed up mm-hmm. on the Thames and I don't have any memory of who I am. And Sister Monica Joan perhaps thinks that I'm Jesus. Yep. Well, yes, I can see why. Yeah. So she invites me in and we bond over some good telly. And then mm-hmm. and then whilst doing it, we also discover that I have a knack for crafts. And it turns out yep. that I was just I was just a happy little crafter that was traversing the seas and fell in by the loss of my memory. I don't know. We haven't really worked through the, the, the snags. <laughs> but I feel like I would be invited in and I would become the first midwife that kind of goes against the standard. So what, it, the first male midwife? Yeah. Yeah, that'd be a good storyline. Yeah. Once I got my memory back, I'd be like, oh, wait a minute, I know how to get babies out. But how about yourself? Other than call the midwife, although you feel free Other to Other than call the midwife. Express. Well, I think it's no lie that I am a fan of a period drama. Mm-hmm. Um, and my go-tos, and I'm counting this as a period... It's not a period drama in the sense it's like an Austin, but in that it's set in the 1930s, which is technical period. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a big fan of a Poirot, can I just say? <laughs> That makes sense. Um, yeah, I love. I mean, I love the aesthetic of the nineteen thirties. Anyway, and oh. I'm a big hardcore David Sushi fan. I yeah. think he is a master of his craft, um, and can sit and watch. Even though I know who has done them all, why they've done it, <laughs> who they've done it, I don't care. It yeah. will happily sit. And just watch, because I think they're absolutely great. Um, no, I yeah. agree. Uh, Poirot uh, makes me think of kind of stormy evenings snuggled up in my mum's bed with her when I was a kid. And we would watch things like Poirot or It'll Be Alright on the Night, that kind of programme that were kind of on in the evening. And I, I, am, I am an Agatha Christie fan. Some of her writing yeah. doesn't exactly hold up by contemporary standards. That much I can say. That's but, okay, um, different times. Different times. Um, but she was fully a genius to be able to write stories like that. And um, I've got my couple of copies that I read to death of my favourite ones every so often. What's your favourite? Uh, um, my favourite is one called... The Mystery of the Blue Train, which is about okay. a murder that occurs on the Blue Train, funnily enough, to Nice in the south of France. Oh, nice. That's a good one. The TV one is partic- the TV adaptation is very different from the book, but it's particularly okay. good. With a followed by a close second um a story called After the Funeral. Okay, I don't know that one either. Very very good. Um the TV one is excellent. Very, very strong cast. Mr. Michael Fassbender is in it before he was famous. Well, there's hope for me yet. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, Poirot's a big one. I also watch the mid two thousand, mid to late 2000s adaptation of Sense and Sensibility that was mm-hmm. on BBC with Hattie Morahan and Charity Wakefield and North and South which is a proper bustle Victorian 
Okay. Period drama um, starring the lovely Richard Armitage. Oh, can I just say? Yeah. That man is lovely. Um, which is an adaptation of Elizabeth Gaskell's novel of the same name, which is one of my all-time favourites. And it's just great. And actually, a lot of it was filmed in Edinburgh. Oh, I can't say I've because, seen it. Yeah, it's, it's set in like an industrial town during the Industrial Revolution. And Edinburgh actually has the most period-appropriate buildings left for oh, that time. Cool. So quite a lot of the exterior shots are actually filmed in Edinburgh. Which nice. Is very lovely. Yeah. But that's a very, very good one. Okay. One of the one of the first Victorian no- novels or one of the early novels to actually show a sensitive side to a male character. Which is nice because that generally didn't happen quite a lot. <laughs> yeah. Well there you go, pals. We've just given you a list of programmes you all need to go and watch now. <laughs> yeah. Feel free. Uh, and if let us know what you think because they are they're all excellent choices but I mean the ones I've seen exactly <laughs> but I'm sure that it goes to the ones that I've not seen either as well. we have I good mean. taste so um, we'll trust each other yeah I think so I think so exactly um well Shall it's we you first the story I time? believe uh, yes yes is it? It is me for- yes it is me first because I did Let's just kick off with proceedings. So, on the 5th of December 1942 at the Rialto Theatre, New York City, horror film Cat People premieres. Have you ever heard of this film? Fascinating. I have not. Okay. (laughs) It's not the terrible adaptation of the musical, I assume. It is not a terrible adaptation of the musical. Uh, It's not. Uh, also it's a very a different film. film. Also a horror film. Yeah. Darn you, Tom Hooper. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it stars Simone <laughs> Simon as a woman living with an unusual curse. Uh, the nature of such quite well described by the title. Title kind of does what it says in the tin. Okay. The cat tin. Um, but this film is actually more influential than one might think, given its odd premise. So Cat People contains one of cinema's most famous jump scares, affectionately titled The Luton Bus. So character Alice Moore, played by Jane Randolph, walks alone down a road where it is heavily implied she is being followed. As she comes to the realisation that someone or something is indeed following her every footstep, her pace quickens. By now, the audience has become convinced that poor Alice is going to meet a rather dire fate, but she is saved by the sound of a bus as it pulls into frame. So breaking the tension by something rather mundane, this jump scare technique informed what we now know as the modern equivalent, which Mm. is the breaking of tension usually with something everyday, i.e. a bus or a phone ringing. Um... Cat People, although largely panned by critics upon its premiere in 1942, has received retrospective appreciation, particularly in its effective use of film techniques to build tension. So actually, it's a lot more groundbreaking than people remember. And actually, that specific scene with the bus 
is kind of fully credited with what ultimately became what we now know as the jump scare. Yeah. Which is very interesting. Yeah, but I, I suppose at the time they wouldn't know that that was going to be something people enjoy so much. Yeah, exactly. Because the first of its um, kind. Absolutely. So it's just all, it's all very interesting how film history works. <laughs> <laughs> but for why am I talking about such a film? Well, never mind your Bigfoots and Abominable Snowmen. Did you know that Scotland is actually famous for alleged big cat sightings? Oh, I have heard rumours. Yes. Now, I might not be talking about any of the ones you know. Okay. <laughs> but I have got a couple. Um, it's not necessarily gothic, but it's a, it's, it's a little bit weird. And we do like a strange and unusual story. Yeah, I'll accept all. Absolutely. So, of course, it all starts with Scottish folklore, as indeed... There's a feline creature out there in the Highlands that one wouldn't wish to cross. Unsurprisingly, because everyone wants to kill you in Scottish mm-hmm. folklore, basically. Mm-hmm. So the cat she, which is the Gaelic, it literally looks like it's written like cat Sith, but that's not how you pronounce it. <laughs> okay, okay. You've actually yeah. done your research and looked up how to pronounce this. I did actually look up how to pronounce it because I knew it wasn't going to be cat Sith. <laughs> True. Because <laughs> it just automatically made me think of Star Wars, to which I yeah. had an idea of a big cat wielding a lightsaber, which is definitely not what it is. Would be a fun film. Could be a fun film. Um, so the name is actually derived from the Gaelic meaning cat and fairy. We're back with the fairies again. Careful with that word. So, Careful of that word. So the creature is said to be as large as a dog and covered in black fur, save for a few white spots. Its unusual size can cause confusion to those looking for it, as it can easily be mistaken for other wild animals. So in some versions of the folklore, it's generally believed that these creatures are not of the fair folk and are actually witches. Ooh. Yeah. So they believe that they are able to go between human and cat form, although this transformational ability is not infinite. It is said that the change into cat form will become permanent after nine times. Oh, nine lives. Yeah. But really, though, there's a genuine belief that this is where cats have nine lives superstition comes from. It's from... Mm -hmm. This folklore, which is very interesting. That is cool, since that's such a kind of renowned folk's wife, folk wife's tale. Do you mean old wife's tale? Old wife's tale. Folk, folk <laughs> story. I don't know. <laughs> wow. <laughs> okay. Um, so, now, we are a pair of cat lovers here on this podcast. We are. We are. But this creature is not to be trusted. Much like most things in Scottish folklore. Mm -hmm. Again, I say, Mm -hmm. most of them want to harm you in some way. So the Keshi is a soul stealer. And it passes over the bodies of the recently deceased to claim their souls before the gods even have the opportunity to do so. 
By many accounts, just like the changeling belief, the threat of the cat was treated as a real possibility. So watches were set up over the place where a body lay in state. Oh. Yes. So called the late wake, I didn't write down the Gaelic for it because I couldn't pronounce it and I couldn't find a pronunciation, so I just didn't bother. Go with it. I just went with the English equivalent. Um, So it it selected individuals which would be responsible for deterring or distracting the creature, tempting it away from the body with catnip, toys, games, riddles and songs. I mean, it works on a small little domestic one. Why wouldn't it work on a big old beastly one? Absolutely. I also think you'd be very good for that job. I am open to the possibility. (laughs) Absolutely. I think you'd be very good at it. Because I'm sure the cats are often entertained by yourself in your house. They are. Well, I mean, Trixie is listening into the podcast as we speak. Well, there you go. See? (laughs) They just love it. Um, So fires were also never lit near bodies. It was believed that the cats were attracted to the warmth. Which isn't Fair untrue, because cats oh. like sitting on hot things. Yeah. So the cat would occasionally be kind to Highland people, however, particularly on, is it Samain? Is that how you pronounce it? What I are, think so. I think it, you just say it as it's written. I'm going to go with that. I've only okay. written it down twice, so it's fine. <laughs> That's fine. We'll go with it. We'll say it how you want. Apologies to all you Gaelic speakers out there. So the Celtic Festival of Samhain, which eventually combined with All Hallows' Day to create the contemporary Halloween, marked the end of the harvest season and the drawing in of the winter. Families would leave out a saucer of milk for the Ketchi, and it is said that the creature would bless each house that had been courteous enough to think of it. How cute. That's nice, isn't it? They would come padding about the villages looking for wee... Wee saucers of milk, but it would screw you over if you didn't leave also, anything out for you. Lactose for a cat. I mean, yeah, that's that's true. Yeah, it's a bad move. Yeah, it is a bad move. That cat's but... gonna have a dicky tummy. <laughs> it's just straight up facts. You're not wrong. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately. Yeah. Don't give <laughs> don't your cats feed, milk. Don't feed. Yeah, exactly. Don't give cats dairy people. It was not going to end well. No, no, no. We have our folklore cat. Although strange sightings of a non-native large black cat have also been recorded far from the Highlands and in the town of Paisley, just outside of Glasgow. Mm. So on the 18th of February 2003, large footprints are discovered in a garden in Johnston. This is an area just outside Paisley. Um, a representative from the Big Cat Society Scotland. Um, I want in on that club, can Don't, I just say? Didn't know they existed. Yeah, it's a thing. Um, assures the owners that the prince most definitely didn't belong to a cat, rather a rabbit. Now, I don't know how one gets the paws of a rabbit mixed up with a cat, but here we are. Maybe I it's mean, just a rabbit very paws big are bunny. pretty small. They are. So I'm not, enti- 
I'm not entirely sure what that one's about, but here here we be. Yeah. So, another account of a strange creature a little later rears its head. The sighting of a large black-furred animal with white rings. A creature so distinctive, the eyewitness compares it to musician Alice Cooper. Um, I know, right? It's quite a distinctive look. Uh, But from this account, it would seem that the creature is perhaps a raccoon. Again, quite different from a big cat. I would also be quite alarmed by raccoons. Do they live over here? Well, they're well, they're not. I don't think they're definitely not native to Scotland. I don't think so. I, yeah. It would be, if anything, it'd be like escaped from somewhere. <laughs> an accidental raccoon. Exactly, an accidental raccoon. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But nevertheless, the myth of the paisley panther is born. Not quite as catchy as the pink panther, but here we be. Imagine the panther had paisley print. Now that really would be fascinating stuff. Yeah, quite. You never know. Quite the sight. It mi- quite the sight. It might have just shaved its fur into the pattern. You never know. So all goes quiet until the 12th of November as an unusual animal is sighted running across a field with its prey in its mouth. Paisley resident Leslie Campbell says she is forced to swerve on the road in order to miss a large black animal that jumped in front of her car. And speaking of cars, mystery scratches and teeth marks are discovered on cars in the area of Loch Winnoch. As this threat seems to be becoming all the more real, the children of Loch Winnoch Primary School are confined to the school grounds while police carry out searches. But unsurprisingly, nothing is found. Yes. So once again, all goes relatively quiet until the 7th of June 2004, where this creature is sighted in a child's play park, apparently knocking about around the swings. It's a big cat. They swing back and forward. What? You can't blame it. Yeah, it's a perfect toy. They love a swingy ball. If there's a swingy child, all the better. It's just a big old ball. Bonus. Yeah. Um, and this is along with the discovery of the body of a pony in a field, which was evidently killed by something higher up the food chain. Mm. Yeah, poor pony. So, with speculation high, the Big Cat Society decides to search for this animal, although their efforts are curtailed because of public interest and possible interference. Very silly humans, honestly. Yeah. They're trying to do a job. Stick your nose out of it. (laughs) So an article in the Paisley Gazette on the 30th of June accounts the alleged discovery of the cat's lair near Loch Winnoch, within which was several animal carcasses. So John Dow, the individual that said he had discovered its home, said, and I quote, It was 1.30 in the morning and I was wearing night vision goggles. When I approached the lair, I heard this deafening scream and howling like a banshee. It was like nothing I have ever heard in my life before. When I put the torch on, the howling stopped. 
When I turned it off, it started again. I slowly retreated and got away. Oh, you wimp. <laughs> Stick about. Hey, like we were saying about the dinosaurs earlier, I think if you saw a panther running at you, you wouldn't stick around. Well, that's true. That's <laughs> just, true. Just saying. So, but yeah, that was a very unusual one because kind of along with this, there'd also been the discovery of like dead sheep in a field, oh, basically. No. I know, I don't really see this is the thing, this is why I can't watch nature programs because I can't be confronted. <laughs> no, with, I'm like, absolutely the same. The circle of life, it really stresses me out. <laughs> it's, I mean, they might sing a jolly old song about it in The Lion King, but it's not all roses. It's not, it's not when you see like a lion grabbing a gazelle by the throat. It's not really what you want to watch on a Sunday evening. That's not a comfort TV program. No. <laughs> Can I just say? The but, one, um, I, the thing yeah. I find very distressing is when there's a seal on a slab of ice yeah. oh, and yes. the polar bears are after it or the orcas. I can't hack it. No, I can't. Can't deal with it. My nerves can't take it. No. Um, but anyway, yeah, some sheep had been discovered dead in a field and the society were slightly perturbed because of the size of the teeth marks okay. in it. And the... Um, what do you call that? The, But like the width of its jaw. Oh, I see. As well. So they were like, this is kind of weird. That that was kind of legit evidence that there was something very strange going on. Mm. So sighting of this creature persisted until 2006, where there were reports given of a panther-like creature near Kilbarchen and the Bridge of Weir, including an account of a mother playing with two cubs, which also meant there must have been a Mr. Daddy Panther knocking about in the vicinity too. Mm. So there could have been multiple. <laughs> Excellent. Of said creature um, okay. knocking about in the west of Scotland, which is slightly stressful. Can I just say? Yeah. Yeah. Because we'd like Always to know if that's going to be a thing. Take a laser pen with you everywhere you go. Absolutely. Just just to be safe, you know. Works a charm. Works a charm. It, do it really does. Yeah. I get it. It's hypnotic. Yeah. So other rumoured sightings of big cats in Glasgow include over at the River Kelvin. Oh, great. Yeah. <laughs> They're over <laughs> your way too. <laughs> <laughs> Um, near Pollock Shields West train station by the White Cart Water. And there's been sightings over in Airdrie and in Mulgai. So, are there non-native big cat species that have been somehow introduced to Scotland's animal kingdom, trying to remain hidden from the human populace? Or is it our folklore cat chased away by the persistent sounds of the major cities? Or... Is it something a little more sinister? Could the reason be that these creatures were rarely seen because they shapeshift? Just like the premise of cat people, do Scotland's alleged big cats quite literally live among us? And that is Scotland's big cat folklore. I love that. I am Thanks. voting <laughs> I am voting that it is shapeshifters. 
I think the shapeshifter theory is a pretty good one. Can I just say? Do you think in okay. Harry Potter, yes. Professor McGonagall is Scottish and is a shapeshifter cat <gasps> person? Because she's constantly transfiguring herself into a wee cat. I never thought about that until now. I would like to get if I if I felt like it, I would give credit to the writer for thinking of that if it was intentional. But alas, it's turf turf, <laughs> and I'm not willing to. I'm not willing to adventure. That's fair, but no, you make a very very valid point. That is true. That one of the few Scottish characters can shapeshift, and I can't. There could be something in it. There definitely could be something in it. I just find it very... It is kind of like along the lines of like the whole Bigfoot argument and the kind of mysterious mythical creatures that um, are often rumoured and spoken about. Because reading like about it, people have been like, oh, it sounds like it might be some kind of Scottish wildcat or some kind of like... Because I think the one, am I right in saying, we apparently have some form of lynx, not the aftershave. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, thank goodness. <laughs> um, here in Scotland. Um, but wait, wait, like reading further about like the Paisley Panther and stuff like that, it sounds like a legit ginormous cat. Okay. That, it's very, it's just, it's very, very strange that all these people have claimed to have seen it in the same kind of area. Then it just disappeared again, which is why yeah, maybe shifters. Shapeshifter. It's the theory holds up. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, I like the idea that it is a big old cat, and that they are they're nice enough that they thought you're we're a bit close to the roads. We've got wings yeah. now. We need to go somewhere a bit more remote. And so they've gone somewhere where people aren't seeing them quite so often. Yes, that is very, very true. Because you really don't want it to be knocking about in your back garden. I could imagine that being slightly stressful. Yeah. Don't want that. Yeah, you you really don't want that. How are you supposed to deal with that? It would take a big old ball of yarn to distract the panther. Yeah. I bet you... During the light show at Christmas time in the Botanic Gardens, uh-huh. they go nuts because they think it's just they big old have... giant lasers. Absolutely. They must have the best time ever. Yeah, although they never get invited. They don't because that would effectively be like a free buffet for them. This is true. <laughs> Do I like cats more than I like families visiting a light show? <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. Perhaps. I love my cats. We'll see. Also, that's the reason why I did that one this week, because I thought it kind of, it does appeal to one of your great loves in your life. Yes. Perhaps Finn has been going out for wonders and people have been thinking, Jings, what's that massive lynx doing out here? Because he's so chonky these days. He's huge. He's not far off it. And as we know, he's got a side gig at the Cat Cafe in Trongate. So he could be walking about terrorising... Yeah, yeah, terrorizing the people of Paisley. Yeah. I said his name, and he's literally he's emerged. Um, but that was well up my alley. You're very welcome, Alley Cats. I aim to please Alley Cats. Bringing it to bringing it See? bringing it home with the tip top just... jokes. 
<laughs> top cap. <laughs> uh, oh god! I've got I've got loads of them. Don't worry. Excellent. I'm here for all the cat puns. Well, if you're if you're here for cat puns, maybe you'll be up for a change of tune. Okay. Because I have gone kind of down down a slightly darker route than yourself this week. That's not like you at all. I mean, come on now. We know me by now. We know that this is my, my jam. <laughs> um, so I'm going to talk to you about something that happened in the area of Portobello, which oh, is uh, just outside Edinburgh. It is. So... The area of Portobello was originally known as Figate Muir, which was an expanse of moorland through which the Figate Burn flowed as the Braid Burn conti- continuation to the sea, with a broad sandy beach on the Firth of Forth. And the beach is delightful, and it has a very nice Penny Arcade. Oh, who yes, knew? <laughs> I've spent many a day in that Penny Arcade. It's a delight. <laughs> The name figate has been thought to come from an old English term for cow's ditch, but the land was used as pasture for cattle by the monks of Holyrood Abbey, and the name is more likely to mean cow road, as in cow gate in Edinburgh, which we were at on Sunday. We were, we ran along it. Woo! In 1650, it was the supposed scene of a secret meeting between Oliver Cromwell and Scottish leaders. Ooh. How scandalous. In the 1800s, Portobello sands were used at the time by the Edinburgh Light Horse for drill practice. Walter Scott was their quartermaster. Ooh. While riding in a charge in 1802, he was kicked by a horse and confined to his lodgings for three days. Whilst recovering, he finished The Lay of the Last Minstrel, one of his wee works. Lovely! Yes. Abercorn Park sits on the border of Portobello, Portobello and Joppa. Locals of the area refer to the attractive place of green space as the Boundary and Daisy Park. Popular with dog walkers and residents seeking a place to rest, Abercorn Park stands as a favoured location and much loved by many of its residents and visitors because it's a very popular place for people who are visiting Edinburgh. Mm -hmm. On the adjacent side of the park sits a substantial water fountain the grey colour dominates the park's upper side and sits splendidly in the fading afternoon light. On the rear of the fountain is the face of a man. The imposing figure rests proudly upon the brass feature and on the opposite side displays his tribute, which reads as follows. Quote, This fountain has been erected in remembrance of Dr Hugh Dewar, Portobello, by his grateful patients and numerous friends, who lament the loss in his prime of the manhood of a kind friend and skilful and beloved physician. His quiet charity was known to the needy, uh, 1866 to 1914, which makes him 48 at the time of his death. Clearly, he was much beloved by the people he cared for, and the Dewar Memorial Committee told Edinburgh Council they had raised £310 and 7 shillings to fund this memorial. 
The council agreed on the condition that it could approve the design themselves and would incur no costs to the council. And now this is where things get interesting. Okay. On International Women's Day, and I don't know, I, I read one place that this is a recurring thing on International Women's Day, but I could only see reports of it in 2020, I think, or okay. 2019. So on International Women's Day, a collection of tiny stakes were placed in the ground surrounding the monument out of nowhere. Written upon the small placards was three simple words. Where's Jane's Fountain? Oh. Yes. So a smidgen about Hugh. Hugh Dewar was well-loved and respected by his patients in Portobello. He had graduated from the University of Edinburgh as Bachelor of Medicine and Master of Chirurgery. Chirurgery. I don't know this word and I didn't look it up. Why would I? <laughs> I've never heard it's that like, word in my life. It's like surgery, but with C-H-I-R instead of an S. Chirurgery? Maybe someone mispronounced surgery when they were getting these notes typed <laughs> up. Um, I can't so, help you there, I'm afraid. No, no idea. So this was back in 1896, and he had been a general practitioner at his uh, at 26 Brighton Street in Portobello for a very, very long time. And presumably, along with everyone else in Portobello, the woman Jane Anderson would share the very same respect for Dr. Dewar, and of course would have no hesitation in calling him to her house when she began to feel the first pangs of labour pains on Tuesday the 3rd of February 1914. The child was her first, and unfortunately, the delivery was not straightforward. Uh oh. Jane Anderson's mother, Mrs. MacArthur, who was present at the delivery, sensed that things were not going well. And she said at the time, I drew his attention to the binder being saturated, but he said nothing. I then handed him another binder. So she, as someone who is not a medical professional, was thinking, there's a lot of blood, that's not right. I'm mm-hmm. going to try and help as best I can. Yes. But he didn't seem to so, show much of an interest. And then the third stage of labour, while trying to remove the placenta and umbilical cord, Dr. Dewar noticed a tube, at which time he said, quote, here is something that should not be here. He began pulling it, and what he produced was about two yards in length. He had, in fact pulled out the 15-foot-long mucous membranous lining of Jane's large intestine. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> Gr- uh. this, is, this is grim. This is really grim. <laughs> the baby was fine and well, and uh, they presumed he's going to be absolutely fine. He'll live on. No probs. Because uh-huh. he was delivered by this point. However, Jane died about three hours later in... Un, like inconceivable agony due to shock and loss of blood. Oh my god. Harvey Littlejohn, who undertook the autopsy, noted that in the course of delivering the baby, Dewar's forceps had punctured the posterior wall of the vagina, producing an acute rectovaginal fistula large enough for a hand to fit. Oh... The large intestine was bruised to bits. The abdominal cavity was found to be full of blood and intestinal contents. And there was several tears to the actual wall of her uterus. Oh, no. 
Dewar had been practicing medicine for a very long time and no doubt would have witnessed many deliveries in that time. However, as Little John's statement to the investigating police officers noted, quote, under no circumstances is it possible to explain how any doctor, not to speak of any student nurse or woman who had borne a child, born a child. I always say born. I have I can't pronounce words with <laughs> extra vowels. This one's got an e at the end. Can't handle it. it. Could draw away from the private parts of a woman fifteen feet of any tissue without recognizing that it must be intestinal in origin and character. And that by his action, he was practically practically killing the patient. It is conceivable that Dewar mistook the tissue for either the umbilical cord or a part of the chorionic membrane. But as Little John said himself, quote, the belief could only exist while he pulled out a few inches at most. And to pull and continue to pull until 15 feet of something had come away without knowing or realising what it must be, is incredible if the man who did it had possession of his senses. 15 feet? 15 feet. That's a substantial amount of, like, organ. Yeah. Why did he not, not realise that something was not quite right? I mean, there's only so many things in a body that are that length. Uh-huh. The intestine, and, well, uh, the intestines being it. yeah. Yeah, and I don't think an umbilical cord is one of those things. <laughs> no. Yeah, umbilical cords, Ooh. I mean, I've seen one maybe be a foot and a half, two feet. Yeah. Based on call the midwife. There you go. Bringing it back. Jane's death certificate could not be signed until the autopsy results had been disclosed. The examination was done the day of her death. No, the day after her death which was Thursday the 5th of February, at her own home in Portobello. Nearly three weeks later, on Monday the 23rd of February, Dewar was making his rounds as usual on his bicycle. Detective Inspector McKay of the Edinburgh Criminal Investigation Department did not know the doctor, but noticed a bicycle lodging in a close in the area. His companion, Ossifer... His companion officer was able to identify it as belonging to Dewar and the policemen waited for the man to finish his visit. They said to him, we are police officers and have a warrant for your arrest. Please accompany us to Portobello Police Office. I will feel obliged if you do not put your hands in your pockets. So they were like, no nonsense, hands out pockets, especially when walking, because if you trip, you'll smash your face in. (laughs) You taught that at a very young age. A doctor should know that. So Dewar was charged with culpable homicide. And he came away very quietly, was taken from Portobello to Edinburgh Central Police Station, where he was searched. He was found to possess a considerable quantity of poison, and his books and papers were retained for inspection. Despite this, he was admitted to bail of... £150, which is probably quite a lot of money in these days. Probably quite a Uh, lot. And he returned to Portobello uh, not only to his home, but also to continue practising whilst still being investigated for these charges. Classic. As well as the prospect of a child... Nope, what is wrong with me? As well as the prospect of a trial, 
scheduled for the 17th of April at the High Court of Juris Justiciary, Dura had to deal with the civil proceedings of criminal negligence brought against him by the ex-police constable Duncan Anderson, which was the husband of the deceased Jane. He seemed to cope well. Uh, Quote, Though he had considerably aged in personal appearance since his arrest, he was laterally able to ride about on his bicycle according to his wont, and to the eye of the man in the street looked as if he would weather the storm that was beating upon him. That's what people said. However, t'was not to be. The day before his trial, he called on his legal advisor, Mr. Norman McPherson, and discussed his forthcoming forthcoming trial. Later on the same day, he was taken to a nursing home where he died. The circumstances of his death were not made public property, but his death certificate says that he overdosed on narcotic poison, entering a coma that lasted four and a half hours. Although today, people may look at this and think that's a case of probable suicide. Uh Uh-huh. Uh, it would require it. It would definitely be a kind of post mortem worthy death. Yes, people would think, let's do that. However, in these days, Dewar's death went certified without any kind of autopsy. Of course, it did. Yes. So, just half a mile away in Portobello Cemetery, from this fountain that, in the name of Hugh Dewar there is a less ornate headstone which commemorates Jane Anderson, who died in childbirth at the age of 25. And there is no inscription anywhere in the city to remember the terrible story of Jane's death at the hands of her doctor, Hugh Dewar, on Wednesday, February 4th, 1914. This little-known injustice has stuck in the throat of one of Edinburgh's residents, who has taken it upon themselves to keep the memory of Jane Anderson alive and tell the story of her tragic death. This person is the founder of the Secret Edinburgh Twitter page and mark that, that person marks International Women's Day with what they describe as a gentle protest, placing small plastic stakes in the lawn near the fountain with the words, where's Jane's fountain? Speaking to Edinburgh Live, the person who did not wish to be identified said, quote, Every time I walk past the fountain, it angers and saddens me that the memorial even exists and that Jane Anderson's story has been forgotten. International Women's Day seemed the logical day to carry out a gentle protest. I hope local people might think about local monuments and the stories behind them. And that is the unknown story of the woman who died at the hands of a celebrated medical professional from Portobello. Okay, that is fascinating stuff, and you are not wrong because I really didn't know that that existed. <laughs> yeah, neither did I. I Portobello is a mere fifteen minutes away from Aberlady, and I didn't know that. That's crazy. That yeah. but he was going to get done for homicide. Mm-hmm. Yep. It looks like he took his own life because he a possessed oh, po- well, he had poison yes. in his possession. Which would be for medical purposes, presumably, because of the the times. But he died all of a sudden. And despite people knowing what he was about to be charged with or what he was just about to go to trial with, they still raised money, created a memorial foundation in order to put a memorial in his name. 
and it went up with no problem, no protest. Apart from potentially uh, Duncan Anderson, the husband. But I don't know if that is is the case. So, that is very interesting. Yeah. That's so interesting because I just, I don't understand. Everything about that, just her, well, case, I suppose, her medical Mm -hmm. case, it it just seems bizarre. Particularly since you said he'd attended many, like, labours. Yeah, for sure. He, I can kind of safely assume, I, I could be wrong, would be one of the few doctors in the town. I hardly think they were inundated with doctors living in Portobello. Well, yes. <laughs> so he was probably one of a few. So any births that happened in the home, which was at the time all of them, would yeah. <laughs> would have been handled by him. Yeah. And it, he balls it up so epically. What what was what was possibly happening for him to make such a fatal mistake? I the one thing I know that he did is that he was a big fan of forceps. So I mean, he's either gone full on with those forceps and just. Ugh. Although you wouldn't think there would be any sharp metal on forceps that would cut open her well, intestine and her uterus. Well, that's what I mean. Also, I th- I think I'm learning about human anatomy today and learning that the intestine is particularly close to the uterus. Yeah, I mean, I suppose it's all just kind of squidged all up in there, isn't it? It is all squidged up in there. Yeah. Well, you should. Did you did you not study this at medical school? I mean, we didn't in first year. We didn't do an awful lot of human biology. Okay. Because I was focusing mostly on the medical science element. So that's fair. It was, um, yeah, we we did we did some biology, but we did we did it was quite broad in first year. Nothing was particularly okay. specific. Yeah. they did do auto not autopsies. They did uh, cadaver dissection and stuff in second year, but I left before that happened. I mean, that's fair. I would have fainted, so it's just as well. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> the. I've just had a recovered, awful, awful, disrespectful memory, which comes from one of the second years gave us a walk around when I, when we started first year. They took us around uh-huh. all, the, all the buildings we were going to be studying at. And they were talking about how they were doing cadaver studies. And somebody picked up a leg, a cadaver's leg, because they were it wasn't a full cadaver, it was parts yeah. of a cadaver. They picked up the leg and swung it around and this poor guy, whoever he was, his like private bits were still attached to this leg. And so one of the testicles flew out. <laughs> and I kind of like it's funny when you think about the fact that just a random testicle flew across the room. But oh, how disrespectful no. to swing a leg around of a poor cadaver. I'm sure when that person left their body to medical science, that's not what they expected was going to happen to them. Not at all. Oh, no. I remember being told that. That's a good idea. I know. And why would you think, let's just tell everyone that there's something we're really proud of? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, it's kind of funny. Wow. Um, (laughs) The other thing that I think is actually blatantly clear in this story is the 
The Doctor and Jane both lived in Portobello, which at the time would have been a small community or a smallish community. Uh-huh. Yeah. The fact that they valued him, the man who was just about to be done for culpable homicide, over yes. her speaks uh-huh. volumes about how people felt about men in positions of power or men in positions of um, like high education and women. And mm-hmm. even though that she technically died, well, she did die in childbirth, albeit through the pulling out of her intestines and not through anyway i digress um but dying in childbirth was not an unusual phenomenon for the time no so perhaps quite a lot of people were just like well it's no loss because it happens i wonder if there was any fight from her her mother mrs macarthur i think her name was yeah maybe she was like i was there and i saw that he was doing something wrong i demand an autopsy yeah well exactly but see this is the thing because i'm presuming that it never made it to trial then if he no because he he took his life took the poisons the day before that's so fascinating that's such a weird case it's just so I I can't I can't imagine how that must have felt. I don't want to feel how that must have felt, but literally the lining of your intestine, the membranous <laughs> lining, and Ew. along Ew. with that, also puncture wounds to uterus and intestines. See, I just I I think that's what I find so interesting about it because. One would think he being such an experienced physician would immediately know that he made quite a serious mistake. You'd think. One, you know, maybe once you're five feet into the pulling out of some kind of membrane from somebody's body, you'd go, that's not the bit that I was looking for. 100%. So, Ugh. I I just... 15 I, feet. That's practically three me's lying end to end. It is. That's a significant amount of bodily lining. <laughs> Oof. Oh, that's so interesting though. But see, now I'm really intrigued. I'm like, did he make any other epic mistakes in his career? Or was that the only one? And why Who was knows? it that one? That's so interesting. It's just disgusting. As always, please pop along to our Instagram and our Facebook. Give us likes and follows there. We post all of our corresponding photos up there every week and it just gives you a nice little visual to go along with the story. Along with our Magic Hat Mondays where you can give your responses to our questions. Our We Love a Link Wednesdays where we join links between different stories that we've told. And of course, Fun Fact Friday, where you will learn some kind of fun Scottish fact. If you happen to have a question for the magical hat, if you either email us or messages it over, it will be written down on a little sheet of paper, folded up and go straight into the hat where it may feature on future episodes. 
Also, if you happen to own an Apple device, if you could head on over to that little purple logo of Apple Podcasts and leave us a little review, it would be much appreciated and helps us in the massive podcast algorithm of the world. And thank you for listening to A Wee Bit Gothic. Was that gothic? A wee bit. <laughs>